Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens around it. We got invited over to our neighbor's house. Yes. Like two hours ago. Would they invited us the other day? Well, yes, but we went over two hours ago. Yes. We just came back. We just got home from being at our neighbor's house. And since this is a big deal to us, you can see we don't get out much. <laughs> we really don't. We really don't. And we'll talk about why in a minute. Mm-hmm. But first, I want to talk about having been there because our neighbors are retired hippies. And I don't mean they're retired from being hippies. I mean, they are of that socially progressive generation and they are now retired. Yes, they are. And they were like school teachers and such. Yes, and they attend the church that my LGBTQ affirming church, they were basically renting space from the church that our neighbors attend. Right. So these very progressive religious people invited us over for drinks. Yes, drinks and appetizers and conversation. Conversation. Conversation was kind of amazing. And they're very affirming and very welcoming of all sorts of different types of people and all sorts of different ways of being in the world. But there are some things that they just don't have experience with. Yeah, and they were tripping on it a little bit. And it wasn't even me, necessarily, because... No, and I kept looking at you like... I don't want to say the wrong thing here. I don't want to accidentally out you. So I'm just going to tuck my lips in, Mm -hmm. which is a thing I used to tell my fifth graders to do because when they're in little, you tell them to catch a bubble in their mouth. Mm -hmm. But when they get older, they're like, oh, that's a baby thing. And so you tell them to tuck your lips in Mm -hmm. and then they do. And then they're like doing a kinesthetic thing to keep themselves quiet that they don't think is a baby thing. So I was sitting there on our neighbor's couch with my lips tucked in. (laughs) Introverts don't need this skill. (laughs) Introverts aren't usually the ones being told to catch a bubble, boys and girls. No, they aren't. (laughs) All right, friends, tuck your lips in. No, that's... Put your hands on your shoulders. Put your hands on your head. Put your hands behind your back. Okay, teacher. (laughs) Put your eyes on the person in front of you and let's walk in a single file line to the lunchroom. That's right. Sorry. So yeah, I'm sitting there with my lips tucked in on our neighbor's couch. Yes, because we're having our various conversations about politics and jobs and family members. Start there. It started with them sort of trying to suss out what our blended family arrangement is. Yes. And getting stuck on child number zero. Now, is child zero's name a girl or a boy? And I said, no. And I wanted to say, yes, maybe. (laughs) And they were a little confused by that. And so I gave... Were they confused by us not giving them a direct answer? Well, they apparently were confused in the first place and felt they felt they were confused and needed to know. And I, I just thought, like, until now when we're having this conversation, I'm like, oh, I get it now. They felt the need to know. Like, People do. Like, they don't know... If, if you don't fit in an easily categorizable bin in their brain, mm-hmm. then there is a sense of unease, especially for people who are educated or even autodidacts who are interested in the world around them, people with a desire to learn and a desire to know, which would be most of the population before they get stupid. <laughs> it's just the sequence of... <laughs> it is. <laughs> Okay. 
they, they want to know. And this is the thing that you're so used to knowing about everyone. And that would indicate how you treat them, how you interact with them, how you perceive them. Right. So when they're asking this and we're, and you and I are saying, well, actually they identify as non-binary. They just couldn't leave that there. They were like, okay, so I, that's something new to me, which I thought was a very good way of, you know, it wasn't a, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. It was, I am acknowledging my own ignorance on this topic, mm-hmm. not how dare you tell me something I didn't know. Yes, people which do that. Is a, is a common response. They do, yeah. And so I gave, you know, the Cliff's Notes version, which I often use the concept of intersex, not as a direct comparison, because that would be doing a disservice to the actual lived experiences of intersex people. But to say you're familiar with this medical physiological condition wherein people don't fit the dichotomy. Mm -hmm. And you're familiar with the psychological phenomenon of being transgender or of people who are transgender. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's trans experience is that they are both or neither or some blending of these things, just like this other medical condition, we also have this other psychological way of being, this other cognitive experience. And I gave the Cliff's Notes version of that, of course. Yes. But I'm spreading it out for our listeners. And they were like, I I didn't know that was a thing. And... That, that's going to take a while for me to wrap my head around. And I said, well, that you know, they use the pronoun they, mm-hmm. which the husband started to pick up on and the wife didn't even bother. <laughs> Kept saying she. Yeah. Because she, the wife, mm-hmm. asked you very explicitly. Now, this may be, like, she acknowledged that it may be out of bounds, mm-hmm. but asked for child number zero as a sign sex at birth. Mm-hmm. And we admitted that since we've only known this kid, you've known them since they were 16. I've known them since they were 19, 20? No, 20 something. Yeah, 20 something. We have no cause to interact with their. And anatomy. I am very comfortable giving the um, answer of vagueness. And people are not. They are not comfortable receiving that that answer. (laughs) And so we we both, you know, affirmed that. But I don't feel any pressure either. When they joined your family, they were presenting as female. Mm -hmm. But we have had no cause to interact with their anatomy. So we don't really know. Right. And that also was mildly disconcerting, but... Because it still wasn't a... uh, Here's which bin you should put them in. I wasn't giving a bin. No, there is no bin. And I I don't care. It doesn't occur to me that that's necessary until later I go, oh, I see what they're... Yeah. They're trying to understand. Yes. Okay. They they lack the concept of a multidimensional spectrum. Mm -hmm. They have some ideas now. They have a very surface level idea and they had a very, very binary understanding of the concept of transgenderism. Mm-hmm. mostly through celebrities. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they would say, you know, I mean, talking about Christine Jorgensen and Lily Elba and Caitlyn Jenner. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to bring up a couple of men as well. Billy Tipton and Matt Cayley and... Oh, who's the photographer? I had the names when I was over there. They Mm -hmm. were just falling off my mouth. But now that we have a microphone in front of us, I can't think of them. But I'm sure most of our listeners would be familiar enough or at least be able to Google Mm -hmm. a couple of historical and a couple of modern current-ish names. And they were like, oh, I didn't know about that. 
Like they didn't say it, but she it was seemed, the look on their face. She seemed more surprised than he did, but I don't know if that's just because she talks more and, you know, he's quiet and listening and interjects some smart yeah. like things. But It's true. Yeah. Because um, I was wondering when, when you're talking about some of the books at our house, I said, would they get a clue? I, yes, because I, they I were talking about, oh, clue. I read this book about this thing and I read Middlesex and I read... That's a, um, that's a well-known book. Yes. And I said, oh, yeah, and we have lots of other books by Matt Cayley and T. Cooper and, and some others. We have a lot of books about LGBTQ history and LGBTQ pioneers. Right. And, I thought, and, and I'm thinking, the fact that half of our bookshelf is these books, will you connect anything here? I, I don't no, think so. I don't think they did. No. And the fact that I'm walking over there with my rainbow phone case out, I still don't think they connected. No, maybe that's the hippie part of them. I don't know. Could be. Yeah, rainbows are cool, you know, if you're hippie. Yeah. I could be. I could be stereotyping. You could be. <laughs> <laughs> they did a lot of it. Yeah. Um, they did, though. It was wild. Well, and I mean, I could have come out, but the conversation would not have been as interesting. And that's I really like I was... to. I like to push things along, and and then you know, make people think first. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're very nice people. They are very yeah. nice people. And I think that you should not let it go too long after this that you let them know if we have another discussion. Because after that, it seems like you're keeping something from them. Mm -hmm. You know, if we talk about this again, mm -hmm. if you're ever going to come out to them, it should be soon. Mm -hmm. Just because otherwise it would be like, well, we've known you for 10 years and we've talked about all these other things and you never told us that you knew all this already? Well, we talked quite clearly to them about the different topics that they remained confused on. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, but I, I don't mean no as in like having cognitive knowledge. I mean like as in having lived experience. Right. I think in that case, she would be surprised and he would not. I think that's a reasonable assumption. Mm -hmm. I bet they're going to be having a discussion between them tonight. <laughs> about the things that we were talking about. And he may have picked up on something that he didn't express because, like I said, that is their dynamic. You you mm -hmm. observed it too, that she's mm -hmm. the very talkative one and he'll interject smart-ass things or genuinely smart things mm -hmm. where they are pertinent in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We will I see. did feel a little bit of that pressure of, will that be odd if I came out to them later? And it probably would be, but it wasn't my inclination. It's just not. No, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Usually. Yeah. And see, I'm on the opposite end. Like, I know that there is an understanding in the community that once you're out, you tend to become the token or everybody's teacher. And this happened to you when you first came out at work, that you were everybody's teacher anytime anyone was dealing with a trans kid or a trans family. That was your thing. Yep. There's a reason I chose my profession. I don't mind being everyone's teacher. And so I have, my name is Mix Professional, and my pronouns are they and them. I have that plastered right on the front of my desk at work. Mm -hmm. So anyone walks into my office, that's one of the first things they're going to see. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't come out either as non-binary because at that point it wasn't I didn't want to hijack the conversation and make it about me if you were also considering the idea of coming out. Mm -hmm. But I tend to lean the other way, like, oh, by the way, this is my lived experience. So if you have any questions, I will tell you how the right way to ask them. <laughs> right. Well, I'm thinking about this uh, conversation, and she's presenting this as something very unfamiliar to her. Uh -huh. It was a very big surprise. 
because it was many years after the fact. That she found out about her now nephew. Yes. Um, transitioning. But there was no questions about our experience with that. So without yeah. that, that that was still her pondering on w- she, where she to start with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if she had asked more questions about how did you guys deal with your child number zero being non-binary and was that hard for you to switch pronouns? And then we could have offered an experience of, well, no, because I had transitioned some years previous or mm-hmm. well, no, because right. I'm also non-binary right. or... Yeah, I think we might end up with that kind of a conversation next yes. time if if they have an interest in in that because it, it also occurs to me that every time we hang out with them, which is admittedly infrequent, um, she remembers when you tell her that you're from Michigan and then tells her husband again. That is the thing that, that you're happens. from Michigan. And she so. the other thing that occurs to me is that she said she really likes to read. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking we might pick one or two of those books off our bookshelf that would be particularly 101-ish, mm-hmm. particularly introductory, mm-hmm. and say, well, you said you like to read and you expressed interest in this topic, so we thought we'd share these books off of our bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But the rest of the conversation was really nice. And even that part of the conversation was very nice because they were respectful. They weren't like, look at this weird, freaky thing. Uh-huh. They were like, this is a thing that's unfamiliar to me, but I will share what I know and welcome your additional information. Yeah, and I think that that was a branch off the topic after talking about our child's agender status. Mm-hmm. So, And then her nephew, and then the transgender culture phenomenon at large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but the rest of the conversation was nice. It was nice to be able to go and do a thing, like go well, have drinks with neighbors. Some of the conversations, as, as the smart aleck part of the conversation did point out, get you know, heavy or dark just because of the status of our yeah, but you know, world. Even then, it, it's nice to commiserate when we're talking politics, you know, it's it's decent to be able to say, oh, I'm glad you think this is fucked up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking that when we were talking about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but we haven't had a chance to do much in the way of socializing with other adults. No, we haven't. And I, I, I wonder, you know, if we rewound all our podcasts and listen to that factor it's probably an underlying theme of our lives um, for this reason or that. Yeah. You know, I mean, the current reason is number two child's other parent. And I think we, we probably mentioned before that the boy's mother had been sick. She had been in the hospital for a couple of weeks. And so we had the boy full time. And to recap, after a long hospitalization a year ago, she had come back to our area from treatment out of state, making unfounded abuse allegations that at the time we thought, well, maybe the boy is manipulating her, maybe she is misinterpreting things. But over time, over, you know, since the charges were found to be ungrounded. Mm -hmm. And since we've tried to work on this co-parenting relationship with her between the two of you. Sure, she doesn't think so. Well, that's the thing. It's becoming increasingly clear that she's been telling blatant lies to our boy and everyone else. Mm -hmm. And 
some months ago, early fall, you had picked him up to bring him back here and he had not cleaned up after himself and she tripped over one of his toys and fell and immediately needed to call him and scold him and he was crying so hard. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you started to realize something was really wrong, that she was using him for more than that she was using him. Mm-hmm. End of story. You should not, it doesn't matter what it's for. The child should not be supporting the parent at this age. Yes. And even so, we tried, you tried. She even came in and sat down in the living room. Did we talk about this a couple, probably a month or two ago where uh-huh. she just comes in and sits down and has a nice chat with me. Oh, and I'm just sitting there with my mouth hanging open. And then I put on the smile that I wear to keep myself calm, mm-hmm. which apparently our number two child thinks means I'm smiling about him being in trouble. Yes. And that's a thing that we need to work on with the therapist. But, you know, we're just having a pleasant conversation. She asks me how I'm doing and I immediately want to get the topic off of me because I don't want to give her any more ammo. Right. So I'm keeping up. How are you doing? And she launches into the tirade about how she's been very, very sick, but she has a two-year plan to turn her life around. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. That would be great for our kid. I would love to see that happen. Mm -hmm. Cut to a month and a half later, and she's attacking you again, saying that he's accusing you of abuse. Yes, and you and Zero Child look at him funny. When he's in trouble. Yes. Oh, no. It was after he's been arguing with you. Yeah. Those were her words, which I'm thinking, of course people are looking at the kid funny after he's been arguing with his parents. Yeah, but supposedly he was fearful of coming home. So she comes home from the hospital. She feels better. She has somebody helping her and driving her about. And so he goes to her house to hang out for the weekend and pretty much on the back to the visitation schedule of the second half of the week, you know. Which Thursday, is Friday. what we had originally yeah. planned and with the expectation that it would be flexible based on her health. Right. But so it was Sunday night. He was supposed to come home and she says, well, he doesn't want to come home. He's afraid. Which like, is what she said back in January. Here we go again. And so I talked to him, and that's when he said, you know, you you and Zero Child look at, me, look at him wrong, and some other things, you know, that I thought, well, we just need to go back to the therapist, because this isn't going well, and I, I don't want to be back in this spot again. Yes. Be- she had this idea that while she was in the hospital, things could have been happening to him. And he was with me all the time, plus I was taking him to the hospital to see her. You were so incredible. I pointed out that your goodness was increasing again, as you had asked me to do, because you did not want it to reach infinite again. <laughs> no, it won't, because she's go- she's going to... I don't even know what to say. Yeah. And so, at first, it starts out with you ask him directly, because you don't want her version of events, because it's been clear that she's been at least a little dishonest. Is there such thing as a little dishonest? Well, think of little white lies or... or half-truths that you tell to make other people feel better or to grease the social interactions or, okay, go yes, ahead. that sweater looks nice on you. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, she had, I, I guess, compared to the amount of dishonesty that we have since discovered that she's engaging in, what we thought she had was a little dishonest. Okay. it's It was there. It just, that was the only part we knew about. Right. And so you wanted to talk to him and that's what he said. You know, it was just these inconveniences or things that he often feels he's being personally slighted when he's not being personally enabled. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as you got off the phone, she's saying, no, there's these other things, but I won't tell you what they are, which reminds me of But she wrote them all down. But she wrote them all down. Yes. I have a list. I wrote them all down, but I won't tell you what they are, which sounds like Trump. 
I'll tell the therapist, she said. And I thought, I'll believe that when it happens. Right. I still will. Right. So I did get a hold of the therapist. I got, yeah. got him scheduled right away, right right away, same week, mm-hmm. like two days later, which was totally great. Yes, it was, because then her health starts to decline. She goes more and more on the attack, saying it's not just number zero and I. Now it's you two that he's very scared of you also. Right. So he went to therapy, and the therapist wasn't finding that. <gasps> I'm completely shocked. The therapist was finding... See, that was a little dishonesty. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for pointing out that out. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I thought it was just sarcasm. The therapist said he was very distraught about his mother's health and that she had been disclosing way too much information and he needed to talk to her about it. So, so at that point, you... I had already decided before we... I hadn't t- seen him. She was supposed to bring him to therapy. And my plan was to take him from therapy and take him home. And and that's it. Not having any more of this. And then, but the thing is, then she got sick and her message to me was she was stuck in bed. She couldn't even get up and I was going to have to come and get him and keep him. So I went and got him, brought him with me to work. He was so super hungry too. Yeah. Which told he, me he hadn't, been, he hadn't eaten. Because he'd been so busy caring for her. That's what he told me. Then I brought him to therapy and the therapist said he cried the whole like 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Cried. Um, and then he's been with me since- Pretty much- 24-7 except school, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's talked to her twice. Both times he ended up crying. Because she was pretty blatantly manipulating him. She was guilting him, and I tried to stop her, and she yelled at me about it, saying he needs to have his feelings, and I, I don't think he needs to have her feelings. That's the thing. That's Well, that's the thing. She's saying that he's only talking to her about his feelings, and A, given how many things she's been dishonest about, I don't believe that one whit. Mm-hmm. But even if she believes it, she is putting those feelings on him. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair to him. She she quit going to therapy and she's using all of her friends and she's basically said in other venues that all of her friends are basically abandoning her because she has been using them. She said that they're abandoning her because she's using them? She's no, she recognizing said, that? No, she has said that they're abandoning... Oh, well... She said that I knew when I made changes in my life that people would leave, that when I stood up for myself, that people wouldn't like it and they would quit talking to me. They would abandon me because I insisted on what I wanted. She's framing herself as the hero, but it's the same story. Well, in any case, he's been here, and after the last time he got off the phone crying, and then I had an argument with her in front of him on the phone, and then I told him when he got off the phone, I said, it is not your fault. And he seemed relieved. Yes. He was watching me the whole time. Yes. And I said... And that's what I texted you while he was on the phone, like when you took the phone back, and I texted it to you, and I was like you can't let this go. You need to address this right now. And you need to let him know that it's not his fault. I couldn't tell you that, but you had the phone. So I texted it to you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did. You said, you know, what are you feeling? This is not your fault. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was, he He calmed down. He quit crying almost immediately when he realized that his mother's problems were not his fault or that he was not responsible for his mother's emotions. And if what he understands or what he, he says, you know, what he said to me before is she's overreacting. So that's my way of of saying to him is it's not your fault if your mother is overreacting and if she doesn't feel good and it causes her to overreact more often, it's not your fault. No. And 
in the long term, we're going to have to do some work with the therapist about an appropriate level of personal responsibility for other people's feelings. You know, you can't just go around calling people names and not expect them to be hurt. Mm-hmm. But for now, he does need to understand that if this is the word he keeps coming back to is that she is overreacting. And she, and he said that about her making accusations against us, too. You know, your mommy is saying that you're scared of this. Your mommy is saying that this thing happened and he told you months ago, oh, I think she's just overreacting. Mm-hmm. And then she'll go back to that he's... He'll um, only talk about it to her. Yeah. So I can rely on the therapist to really help him at this point. Yes, um, he's a very good. He is. He's yeah. good. With, he's good with the boy, mm-hmm. and he's going to go every week. He is, and and the expectations that you've put on his mother's contact with him that night, you decided hard and fast rule. Here are two things that need to happen, and number one was that she needs to actually contact this therapist mm-hmm. because he had tried to call her. Or he was going to, but then realized that she's not his legal guardian, and you needed to give her a release. Yes. Um, And the other thing is that she has supervised visitation, at least until she's got herself more stable. Mm -hmm. And she promptly expressed in other venues that she was being forbidden from her son, which a close family friend noted that she would rather give up her child than give up her right to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And I told her in an email back because she had sent me an email requesting to talk to him every night. It was important to her. Well, it's good that she's admitting that it's important to her, that it's not for his sake, that it's all about her. Well, she thinks that is for him. But anyhow, uh, I, I wrote her back and I told her it wasn't about her and it wasn't about the adults. It was about him and that he would call her when he wants to call her and he will see her when he wants to see her. And that I have noted before that when she is not well, he sometimes doesn't call her for days. In his words, she's so annoying when she's sick. He did say that, didn't he? (laughs) He did. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I thought that was priceless because I mean, it's a a very 11 year old thing to say, which I love when he does 11 year old things for his, all of his, it's sort of like it was with number one child. The things that would be annoying if he was neurotypical or if he was developmentally typical. Mm -hmm. But because of these differences of development, I'm like, yes, he's being 11. Mm -hmm. I had to laugh. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I remember I was annoying when I was sick, too, because he couldn't go to sushi. I remember that. I bet that was abusive, too. The nerve of me. I know. Being sick. I just thought it was funny. But anyhow... (laughs) Uh, I hope she feels better so she can stop being annoying. I, you know, I'm sure it's annoying to her too. And I was thinking of this the other day, you know, I mean, I wish all happiness for her. I wish all functionality for her. I wish all wonderful things for her. But mostly what I wish for her is that she can achieve those things by being functional, by not manipulating other people, by not lying about things, by actually being a pleasant person to get what she needs Mm -hmm. and being a realistic person in touch with objective empirical reality, which both of them struggle with. Yes. But if you are that far out of touch with empirical reality that you are saying things that are blatantly untrue, like you haven't seen your kid in a month when you just had him six days ago, nobody's going to want to help you. Nope. And there's so many other ways of dealing with that. To me, I mean, 
she could try another approach. Well, this is why you are a mental health professional. And this is also why you were able to stay married to her for over a decade. <laughs> hey, you did the same thing. I totally did. Mm. I was my partner's functionality for over a decade also. Yeah. So, I mean, I t- I had- I'm not faulting you on any of this. No, and, and I had the idea that there was more functionality, and, and then I realized there wasn't and got a mm-hmm. divorce. I would just like all of us to get along on his behalf. I, I really, I hate to say this because I want to be wrong, and this is something I've said a lot lately, is that I, I observe these things in my autistically studied observations of human interactions, and I make predictions. I, I like the way you say human interactions, like... <laughs> The other creatures I have to deal with. I'm not autistic. (laughs) Um, Those humans. I'm not diagnosed formally anyway. Do these things that I observe. I was in the process of getting my diagnosis, and then my therapist said I didn't need her anymore. (laughs) So now what are are you hoping to be wrong about that? That she's not going to knock off the nonsense. She's not going... she's, She's getting deeper in, which is a thing that happens with illnesses like hers that they they she has progressive illnesses they are going to get worse and they are going to take a bigger toll on her physical health a bigger toll on her mental health mm-hmm. i don't foresee anything more than lip service to personal responsibility ever again mm-hmm. and i hope i'm wrong i really really do you haven't been very good at being wrong so i don't appreciate that i'm sorry <laughs> um okay here here i'll try and be wrong um she's about to call you in the next 10 minutes and apologize for everything and bring you over a cake. I didn't say give me bullshit either. <laughs> but I'm wrong. <laughs> yes, you are. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but it's good that you did recognize that she had been taking advantage of your functionality and your willingness to provide that for her. And that was one of the things that we bonded over when we were first together, that we were all over being somebody else's functionality. Mm-hmm. But when I was staying with grandma and with auntie and with these other people, they were saying that if they thought you would have heard it, they would have pointed out her lying and manipulating way back. Mm-hmm. The maliciousness is new, but the lying and manipulating has been all along. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the biggest reason that I don't foresee anything more than lip service. That's the saddest part to me, the maliciousness, be- yeah. because it affect the way it affects him. Mm-hmm. And the way he knows it affects her and I in our interactions, you know, he, he's aware that I'm not willing to do things now. Yes. He doesn't seem to think that's wrong. I, I just, I know he's aware of it, and I think it makes him a little sad. Yes, because you, like I pointed out the last time we discussed this, you were still incredibly generous towards her. Even after all of this, you would take him, like you said, to see her in the hospital every single day. You would take her- Almost every day, but I wanted him really not to worry, you know? And you would do all these things that were for him, but she could still perceive them as being you serving her. Mm-hmm. And given that interaction with her is not what's best for him right now, you're not doing any of those things. And it, it is troubling to him, and understandably so. 
So, so she's claiming that she's being kept from her child. She's. I think the word she used was forbidden. Oh well, you know what? All you have to do is go to his therapist and go to a therapy appointment and start talking to me about how you're going to make this work better. There's no. There's nothing forbidden here. You know, she is choosing to be forbidden from her child. She is choosing to give up her child instead of choosing to engage with the process of solving a problem. Yeah. They're both very stubborn, too. But <gasps> Anyone who's ever listened to this podcast when we talk about our kids is terribly surprised that number two is stubborn. <laughs> oh, well. You are also stubborn. I am also stubborn. But generally, we are stubborn in functional ways. We, we try not to be stubborn to spite ourselves. Yeah. Like, like the teenager oh. did when he was a teenager. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> He's still technically a teenager. He is still technically a teenager, even if he's an adult. But I'm over it. I wish we could be over this other thing now, too. To do the right thing, we need to interact pleasantly. And you were saying this the other day. You were like, damn it, I've been talking about solving problems. Now I'm going to have to like actually engage with the problem-solving process, too, and try and be pleasant to her. And she's been so mean and attacking me and lying about me. And, and I'm like, yes, this is how I felt eight, ten months ago. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we are both going to have to go through this process of offering her the option of paying more than lip service to personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that at first she will pay lip service and we will have to I am be very pleasant. aware of that. And that's why I will not let him be alone with her. Right. We will have to be pleasant. You have an eye twitch at that idea. <laughs> I had an eye twitch the other day. His uh, eye is literally twitching, friends. Like... Click, 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 blink. I can't blink, feel blink. it, but I could feel it the other day. Oh. It kept twitching and twitching. I hate that. And I was at work and I thought, uh -huh. stop. And We're going to have to be pleasant and give her that opportunity because it is the right thing to do, even if the long-term outcome will be that she will not engage appropriately and she will be those restrained are, to those, those two options. Those are her choices to make and yes. we can only we can only hope do our outcomes. We can only do our part. Yes. You said once that at work, occasionally you are called into situations to, as a mental health professional, your job is to help people solve problems, but on rare occasions, your job is to help prove that they don't want to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And I really fear that that's what our next year and two is going to be. Okay. I'm sorry. I want to be wrong. I told you, you're not good at that. <laughs> I'm trying. <sighs> This, re this reminds me of trying to do math with him the other day. Oh, my gosh. I was ready to pull my hair out. You were. It was because terrible. I can't explain things like you can. But I am not allowed to be the explainer at no. this point. We have not a solution, though. You're going to text me. I'm going to try and text you the explanations that I would be giving. Yes. Because as a trained educator, I have all the explanations. I am well-versed in multiple avenues of helping people understand things. And as a former remedial math teacher, admittedly remedial for gifted students, but mm -hmm. I know all the ways to help kids understand the mathing. I know none of them. And I don't want to know them. <laughs> so, And neither does our number zero child. No. But he's not going to have any buy-in with me. Well, and they're word problems. So he has to understand words and math, and this is really hard. <laughs> 
And I, I, I went through with you a couple strategies for like drawing pictures and applying numbers to the pictures and things like that. I that think might the help. best strategy though was what you said of the sequence of things. Let him do the simplest part first, which is what you should do. Mm-hmm. Because you and I know a lot of shortcuts that make things easier or faster. Faster. Um, but it's neither of those. He needs neither to, of those approaches. But the, we, we can do those things because we conceptually understand what would happen if we were doing the long way around. Mm-hmm. He is being expected to do fifth grade math with a mental age of approximately seven, and. He can do a lot of it if he keeps doing it and and then gets less afraid and less frustrated and then engages with it. And that's what I was telling you after all of that nightmare was done the first night. And what I said came true the second night that, you know, at first he was looking at you every other second, like, you're going to tell me what to write now. Yeah. Which is clearly how he's been getting his homework help for the past God knows how long. I have no idea. I can understand as an educator that you would recognize that. Yes. If a kid is reading the problem and then looking at the adult for the answer, then he is accustomed to being fed answers by adults. Or having some sort of interaction that leads him to the answer that I'm not good at. I'm just looking at him like, so what do you think it means? And if he can't understand all of the words, that I think might be the first thing, say, you know, Figure out the ELA first. Okay, but then and after that, we tried to do the English, which was helping verbs, linking verbs, and whatever it was. Yeah. And, and then the last thing was what most people would think would be the easiest part of the homework. Past, past present, past, and future tense. Present, and future. Oh, my God. Well, this is the kid who used to complain that I was picking him up too late because I should give him more time to play. Yes. We can't. <laughs> Do this is like the worst nightmare, you know. I probably, I probably will have nightmares about <sighs> trying to explain, explain uh, yeah, past, present. Yeah, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. He did start to get it, and for one of them, he said it's both past and present. And I thought about it, and he was right. My alarm clock rings every morning. He got the idea. Mm-hmm. It rings every morning. It rang every morning before today, and it mm-hmm. rang today too. Yep. There you go. That that's that's and see that is the unique way that he thinks and that's why I think he might benefit from a more supportive program. Right now he is primarily mainstreamed. Mm-hmm. And I know most parents are like, I don't want my kid in the special school. I don't want my kid in the special class. And I'm like, fuck no, give him all the help. Mm-hmm. But that's just my perspective as an educator and parent. I wonder what we're gonna have to give this teacher for an end of year present. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm already thinking about Christmas. I'm going to get her one of those bottles of wine that says, my child may be the reason you drink. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she does like him, but she really likes to stay on task. And he really does not. He's not good at staying on task. No. He gets, yeah, he's a master of rabbit trails. Oh, for fuck's sake. If there's not one, he'll make one. He totally will. So, uh. He doesn't even need a rabbit trail. He's good with a little squirrel trail. He has to go on... Or a mouse trail. He blurts too many times in a row. He has to go out in the hall. Well, and that was the meeting that they had, you know, about how to try and help him be No, no, successful. it happened again recently. Oh, my gosh. So we were all supposed to help him remember again because it was working for a few weeks. But he did that when I was doing homework with him, too. Like, he'd blurt like five wrong answers before I finished asking the question. And that's another thing that kids who are accustomed to enabling educators or enabling parents or 
overly helpful helicopters in some sense. I think I think I came up with some idea of what I'd do, but but I think my new idea is I'm going to sh- start shouting things back too: enchiladas, tacos, birds, and they'll just look at me like what? And that's the thing: like kids who are overhelped will often hit on the right answer in the random string of shit that they're finding, and they'll watch the adult for the response, you know, sort of like trained trained horses that would do math and they would click their hoof and there would be like an imperceptible change in body posture of the trainer mm-hmm. that was actually giving them the count. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, kids who have been overhelped will look for that. Like they will just shout out random answers and wait for you to and have that imperceptible shift in body language that he hit the right one. And I'm just looking at him the whole time like, stop. Because you don't do that. Um, stop. Because you know he didn't actually find the right answer. He didn't answer. do the thinking. You must tell me the answer by thinking, not by blurting answers. <clears throat> when he blurts all of them, he goes, am I right? And I say, how do you know if you're right? Or tell me how you know that's the answer. Am I right? Which one of those was right? One of them was right. Why is it right? Yeah. I always want the why. Yes. That's what you get for having a therapist for a parent. So there. <laughs> well, that's what I would ask in my remediation classes too. I would teach the classes backwards. I would take the concept that we were doing in school and or in their primary math class. And, you know, in the primary math class, you're supposed to build conceptual knowledge and then work to the application. Mm -hmm. Here's a thing and here's how it works and why it works. Now make it work. Mm -hmm. But then in the remediation classes, we would say, here is how it works. Can you figure out why? Mm -hmm. And it would click that way with kids. It hadn't clicked the other way. Mm -hmm. And if my boss listens to this episode, he's going to get really mad because he was also a math person. (laughs) This is something we go back and forth on, but that's another story. So is that it for now then? I I think that's all the math we should subject anybody to. (laughs) Or fifth grade homework. Fifth grade homework with... No, that was it, dear. Stop now. (laughs) Okay. Love you. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! That closer to me, huh? Oh yeah, we'll get there. Are you comfortable? Ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I get ready to do the countdown, and then we notice the clock's ticking. Oh, for goodness sake. We have that happen. Clocks are sequestered. Oh, good. I have to try to get comfortable-ish again. I'm sorry. Do I need to get you a different pad for that bench, or would a different seat be better? I don't know. Okay. Would this one be better? I'm fine. Okay. Yes. Hi, I'm Jess.
She had. And then and she to... was in the hospital. and She was in the hospital for some weeks, and I got to wait till the dog stops. Do I need to put him out and close the door? I don't know. He was sitting here fine. I don't know what happened. I don't know either. He got bored of being next to you, and he wanted my attention. I guess if I just leave my hand down here for a minute, he'll probably settle. Mm-hmm. So. So, um, I was saying, yes, hard and fast rule. Here are two things that need to happen. Did you want to say or you want me to? No, go ahead. You're on a roll. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>